Welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media. We provide business professionals with insights and ideas for protecting their people from the vast array of threats facing organizations today. Each week, you'll hear advice and best practices from an experienced safety leader. Here's your host, Peter Steinfeld. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode focuses on corporate security, specifically how to evolve it from a siloed function into a company-wide program with universal buy-in. And there's no better person to speak on this topic than today's guest, Andrew Schrader. Andrew, who goes by Drew, is the head of corporate security at Panasonic, a multinational electronics innovator, where he was recruited to help build strategic partnerships and secure stakeholder buy-in on security issues across the organization. And this is no easy feat when the company employs more than 250,000 people. You won't want to miss a moment of this episode, so let's jump in. Drew, I hear some good background noise coming in from there. Where are you calling in from? I'm in beautiful Newark, New Jersey, and my office overlooks a major highway that runs through a city. I'm just a few feet away, so you could probably hear the vehicles driving by and honking their horns. Ah, yes. Lovely Newark. No problem at all. We'll power through. Well, what was the security program like at Panasonic when you joined the organization, and what's it like now? Great question, Peter. When I joined the company back in 2019, uh, I found a company that was very siloed. We had some business units that did have a security function, but as a region, security was not prominent throughout. And one of my main tasks coming on board was to try to develop a more robust security function that would close some of the gaps be able to increase resiliency, but more importantly, identify risk and try to develop measures to address those different risks. It's been quite a task to be able to do that, as you can imagine, with having nearly 150 sites in our footprint and encompassing a region that includes Mexico and Canada, as well as the United States. Yeah, that sounds like more of a marathon than a sprint. How did you accomplish all this? It hasn't been easy, and I can tell you that it's definitely continues to be a work in progress. I've been very aggressive with the different types of programs I've rolled out, uh, and each one of those different programs has required a little bit of extra effort uh, in terms of how to sell it and to get acceptance amongst the different employees that are out there, but it really have to be a good salesperson. When I came on board, I didn't realize that being a salesperson needed to be part of my toolkit. My former manager here at Panasonic told me to, to be successful, you would have to be a salesperson. And I, I, I didn't really embrace that right away. But as I started to get into the promotion of programs that I knew would set us up in a very good position to reduce risk and protect our assets, including our most valuable one being our employees, I knew that just having a program on paper that looked really good wasn't going to be enough. And I had to dive into a skill set that really was raw and wasn't necessarily aligned with my responsibilities in the private sector. And I say it was raw because that skill set worked very well for me in the public sector and law enforcement. Those skills should have been transferable to the private sector, but dealing with two different clientels, if you will, uh, in law enforcement and then coming over to the private sector. So I really had to hone those sales skills And I'm still doing that today. Uh, Some of the strategies that I used in the very beginning didn't work and I've had to learn. And that's really one of the great things uh, working with this company is that 
for every challenge, there's been huge opportunities for growth and learning for me. Uh, and every day I strive to get better at my job. And as a result, I think that it's made it easier for me to get programs across, but more importantly, get that important shareholder and stakeholder buy-in that I need to promote these programs. How did you improve that salesman skill set? Did you go out and read a bunch of books? Did you investigate negotiation? Did you find a mentor? What did you do? I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be curious. Avid reader, yes, but not in the sales space. It was a lot of learning and falling forward, if you will, and then making sure that I did not recreate the mistakes that I had made. But at the same time, I certainly got in, in, into the web. Uh, I did some research on my own and, and was looking at ways to develop that skill set and you have to tailor it to the appropriate audience while at the same time demonstrating value for these particular programs and just preparing a, a slide deck that goes through all the merits of the program sometimes is not enough. You have to convince them that this is going to work, show them what the return on investment is. Sometimes you have to talk about the, the risk to the company as a whole and these mitigation strategies and how they can benefit not only the leadership, but physical assets, the facility itself, business reputation, brand reputation, and, and again, most importantly, the employees. All of these programs that we promote all have the employee in mind, but also happen to be able to address risk at uh, various different levels in each of the businesses. Well, what are you proudest of most when you think about all the time, effort, and energy you put into the successful security evolution? Having all of these opportunities has been terrific for me. When I came on board with Panasonic, it was a great time for me to come on board. The CEO had recently joined the company. We already had a great leadership team in place, but through the process of getting hired, I was interviewed directly by the CEO, as well as my former manager, the chief operating officer. And I was able to get a vision from them for the company in terms of how the goals of our parent company in Japan played out in this region. And I got the opportunity to align my goals with those of the company, which is not something that I had ever had to do previous, and then understood from them what some of the current challenges were. Uh, so I, I went into the job kind of knowing what the challenges were going to be. But as you can expect, as soon as I got down and started engaging with people through the different businesses, I, I found additional challenges that, that needed to be addressed. And in some cases were barriers to the success of some of these programs with some of the business units. But overall, just the exposure that this job afforded me with all of these different challenges has, has made me so much stronger and smarter and wiser nearly three years in than I could have, could have ever imagined. And, and, and I guess second, second is that I, I really embrace the requirement, uh, if you will, to safeguard our assets. And I, I say assets, and to me it's interchangeable, but really for me, knowing every day that the responsibility to safeguard our employees falls with me in some way, shape or form, really keeps me motivated. I really do relish that opportunity. And that's why every day uh, I'm looking for new and different ways to safeguard our employees while trying to strengthen the programs that we already have. And, you know, in the end, our goal is to make sure that the employees leave the day the same way they came in. No employees should ever go to work worrying about outside factors influencing them, especially those regarding violence. So, you know, we see with, with these rash of mass shooting events that we've had across the country, not only recently, but over the past few years, 
There are employees who are legitimately concerned about their safety when they leave their house every day and everywhere in between. And if an employee were to come into work and have those concerns while in the workplace, clearly that's going to affect them and their ability to do what they're expected to do on a daily basis. And we want to create a safe haven for our employees as best we can so that they don't have to worry about outside factors affecting them when they come into the office. So we, we've done a good job, but nothing's perfect. And we take this job very seriously, myself and my team. We're constantly pursuing ways to improve that atmosphere, improve our presence uh, and influence across the enterprise, and make sure that everyone continues to be aligned with our strategies for protecting our people. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about the crisis management team that you created at Panasonic. What was the genesis of the team and why is it so successful? We had an active shooter event take place in a a jurisdiction next to where our headquarters is located. It also happened to be a location where a lot of our employees resided. And that event quickly escalated and it was a dynamic event. It was actually out in the open. It was moving around different areas of that particular city. And it happened in the afternoon, just as the rush hour was beginning. And when I became aware of this, I immediately got with our chief human resource officer and explained to her that we had a situation developing that could potentially impact on our employees. And I felt and made the suggestion that we should contact our employees to let them know that this was going on. And second of all, because it was very dynamic in nature, it quite it was quite possible it could affect their commute and their ability to get home. Uh, she, she agreed. She knew that the situation certainly uh, warranted a communication. Then the question came, how do we do it? And at that particular time, Uh, which was just about two years ago, the only way that we had to contact our employees was through email and by cell phone. We did not have a communication platform in place that allowed us to do that. We quickly put together an ad hoc uh, crisis management team, made the decision to do whatever we could to reach out to those employees. Our HR team was absolutely phenomenal at at that moment, uh, as well as our communications team. It took us a while, but we were able to contact all those employees to let them know what was going on for awareness so that they could at least try to uh, dial into whatever local media they could find to give them updates on that. And at the conclusion of that event, we did a debrief. More members of the leadership team were involved, and we realized that we needed to do something different to be able to properly react to these types of situations. We had had previous effort to form a crisis management team. Some of the groundwork had already been laid, but the project went dormant. And then when I came on board, as a result of this incident really being the genesis, I decided that we really should revisit this and make every attempt possible to learn from this incident that, that had occurred and make sure that we had a response strategy that could could professionalize the response, have leadership involvement, and give clear guidance to our employees when something uh, of a crisis nature affected them. So we went down the path of investing with work at a consultant company. I worked with them for about a year. And as a result of that work, uh, we did program updates, manual updates. We did a, a great deal of training. We identified all the crisis management team members, which were all members of our executive leadership team. Uh, We also built out our crisis action teams, 
uh, were, are really the worker bees in the crisis management team function. And as a result of that as well, there was more of a significant investment made in our crisis communications platform because we realized the limitations of the platform we had and also the level of employee involvement in that. So from that one incident, we looked at that as a near miss and realized it could certainly happen here or anywhere else. And uh, we were got full, full buy-in from our leadership to pursue not only the crisis management team, but the upgrades necessary to be able to more effectively communicate with our employees in a crisis. It's interesting how sometimes something potentially tragic or tragic has to happen before organizations move forward to address something. Well, have you had a best day or a worst day at work or a specific scenario that you experienced that really influenced the way you approach your job? I'd like to say that I never had a bad day in my life, uh, but I would, I would be lying. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was doing my normal thing of coming in and checking my inbox, looking for fires to make sure there wasn't something that I needed to address immediately. A Twitter post had an individual threatening to shoot up a school uh, with a picture of a firearm in there in Virginia. And the, the poster was pretty clear uh, that he was going to go to a specific school uh, that particular day and, and try to hurt people. And I realized it was not something that affected Panasonic. And I thought, well, I don't really have to do anything about this, but I'm legitimately concerned about the content of this. And I thought, well, I just got this. And I know that I got it probably five minutes after it was posted on Twitter. And I decided to call the local law enforcement authorities in Virginia just to ask if they were aware of this, just, just so I could, I, I could feel safe in knowing that the, that the police were investigating this. And to my surprise, they had not been aware of it. And I spoke to them about what the content of this was, how I was formerly in law enforcement, and I was taking it very seriously. I had hoped that they would too, and that we could do something about this to safeguard this particular school. Moments later, uh, I got a call from the school resource officer from that, that school. He asked me about the post, actually forwarded the post to him. That way he saw that it, there was legitimacy to what I was saying. They, they put some measures in place immediately with the help of his agency. And then they were able to identify the individual a short time later uh, and arrest that individual without incident. And that, that was a huge win for me in a lot of different ways. This was clearly a situation where if left unchecked, it was quite possible that they would never have known about this. And it, it made me realize how important it is in the private sector that if you have a tool that could somehow benefit the public sector who, who may not have the resources that we have, that you really should consider sharing that information for them, when it, when, certainly when it comes to protecting people. And as, as we saw on Uvalde, that individual, uh, like many others, advertises intentions on social media, but the police weren't aware of it. And in this particular situation, which, which clearly predated Uvalde and Buffalo, I like to think that I did something very positive that had no had no impact at all on Panasonic. It was something that if if I just sat back and didn't do anything about it because it didn't impact on Panasonic, I could have had the mindset, well, okay, it's good. I did what I had to do, but I don't have to do anything further. But coming from the the public sector, I really, really embraced the public-private partnership and the need to do whatever we can as a collective group. Uh, to protect everyone. Uh, and this was a huge victory for me. And I communicated that out to my manager, who was the ch chief operating officer of the company. Uh, he felt very strongly about it as well, because these programs that I had been promoting, sometimes 
people weren't seeing the value. And this was an opportunity for show value of the program and it, it, it paid dividends internally. So that's a, that's a really good day for me, for sure. And something that could have really bolstered the value of corporate security for Panasonic. Well, that's a fantastic story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it really speaks volumes to that concept of sharing information and not putting up walls between you and others, not just within your own organization, but in society at large. In a crisis, there really should be no walls. Exactly. Whatever we can do to protect people, uh, whether they be employees or anyone else for that matter, I, I personally think that we have that responsibility to do that, you know, 9-11 exposed some clear gaps and vulnerabilities in information sharing in the federal government. Uh, unfortunately, that continues at, at many different levels. We've, we've kind of lost our way, in my opinion, with regards to those lessons learned uh, about information sharing, uh, but I'm doing whatever I possibly can within parameters, obviously, to be able to share that information when it comes to protecting our people and, uh, and anyone else out there for that matter. That's really great. Well, Drew, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really enjoyed hearing about your journey from law enforcement to corporate security and the overall impact that it's had on you and those you protect. Thank you, Peter. It was a real pleasure for me to speak to you today. If anyone has additional questions or wants to connect with you, how can they find you out there? Uh, certainly LinkedIn, Andrew Schrader. Uh, you can find me and uh, you can also email me at andrew.schrader at us.panasonic.com. All right. Well, thanks again to Drew and all of you for joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. We'd love for you to spread the word about the show by telling your friends or giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also subscribe to the show at Alert Media's website or follow it on your favorite podcast player. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.